Hello and welcome to the new edition of Machinery Matters, a podcast brought to you by Farm Contractor Magazine. Remember you can check all the latest news on www.farmcontractormagazine.com. In this edition, I'll be speaking to Rebecca Davidson from the NFU Mutual about the latest rural crime statistics. And I'll also be talking with quad bike manufacturer Can-Am about their latest health and safety initiative, which was launched during Farm Safety Week. So a couple of weeks ago, it was Farm Safety Week. And during that time, Can-Am, the UTV and side-by-side machinery specialists, launch a responsible riding charter this is advice to help riders of utvs and side-by-sides ride more safely and kind of be up to date with the latest ppe advice and training advice i'm now joined by uh, james Dolph from brp the uh, parent company of canam and he's going to tell us a little bit more about it thanks for joining us james no problem. Thank you for having us on again, Matthew. No worries. Of course, um, this is your second visit to the hallowed halls of machinery matters. So. It is. It is becoming a regular. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you for joining us. Could, uh, before we kind of get into the, uh, the nitty gritty of the questions, could you just tell us a little bit about the, uh, the responsible riding charter and the impetus behind it? Yeah, so the, the charters to give some tangible information to dealers to uh, any users of our product really um, both ATVs and side-by-side vehicles or more commonly known as buggies um, and it, they they're obviously involved in quite a lot of issues on farms and um, we really believe that as a manufacturer um, and as a brand we believe that there is really an opportunity to to come together um, with users of our products and um, rethink how we approach safety so we want to challenge the norm and educate users um, on the importance of rider safety and this is why we've we've created the charter so it's been developed using uh, the knowledge and experience uh, of Canam um, of people that design our products and it's really designed for anybody so whether it's your first time or whether you've used it a number of times um, day in day out for a good proportion of your life um, safety really begins at, at the start of the journey mm. okay. so yeah we launched this Go on. Sorry. <laughs> no, so I was saying sorry and letting you go. So it, we've launched it, and there's there's key points all the way through uh, on what you can do to really try and safeguard anybody that's using this, be it yourself, be it an employee, um, and just try and really spread the message and far as far and wide as possible about the safe uh, safe usage of our products and of anybody's products, really. This is not just specific to Canam. You can apply these rules to any brand in the marketplace. It's really more about the actual product um, itself that you're riding, be it an ATV or a, or a side-by-side vehicle. Okay, like reading through the charter, it, it feels more, it feels very much designed to encourage those conversations because I feel a lot of it is what people at the back of their minds already know about riding these vehicles. It's just there to encourage those conversations and have 
a focal point almost. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we it's also to probably avoid any complacency because I think we're all in any, in any aspect of our life, we can all sort of look at something and think, okay, well, I've done this a million times, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get away with it every time. So you've got to do as much as you can to safeguard yourself and any employees on the farm and, and people around you in the environment as well. Okay. And I mentioned in the introduction, this was launched during Farm Safety Week. That it's a week that has a reputation for being one of the sadder weeks in our industry because it also coincides with the HSE announcing its accident figures. Uh, there was, if using the term incredibly broadly, I guess there was good news this year and the fact that the amount of fatal incidents had dropped. Do you think we are as an industry heading in the right direction on health and safety? I mean, any any drop is uh, is excellent to see really mm. um but we still need to highlight that that people should constantly be aware of the dangers on farm um i think to coin a phrase that's become quite well known in the uh in the youtube uh sphere um said by tom pemberton um when he was a, a brand ambassador for us um danger never takes a day off and and that's really sort of stuck with me and i think quite a lot of other people within the industry so if we all just think danger never takes a day off um we can then start to work around that and try and put things in place to to make sure that we're in the least danger possible okay and I guess more specifically then to your market, do you think ATV and UTV riders are paying more attention to health and safety? Because as you mentioned there, like a lot of this stuff is things we take for granted. We know, we think we know the terrain we're riding on, things like that. And I mean, is it something that you're hearing more customers talk about? Potentially, uh, there seems to be more awareness uh, around it from certainly dealers and people trying to promote um, the best use of, of the vehicles. Um, but we still want to ensure that it stays at the top of the list every mm. time uh, users are riding an ATV or an SSV so, or, or doing anything around the farm, really. Um, so... It's, it's really there, this responsible rider charter is really there to support that and to try and make sure that everybody um, is aware of, of the recommendations and the, the best practice. Of course, and like we said, so much of this charter is, is really common sense, but it is that idea that people take it for granted, isn't it? And they know, they know what they're doing, they've done it a hundred times and they don't expect danger never taking a day off, they still don't expect something to change do they no absolutely um there's there is a big issue with people taking things for granted um i I guess we've all done it at some point but that doesn't necessarily make it right um uh, the aim is to really have the key points here um in the charter and uh, to serve as a, a regular reminder of of the things that we all need to really remember and like say quite often can can overlook or or choose to ignore but ultimately um it it could end up in uh you know in a, in a serious way if we if we do choose to ignore these points 
And one of the big one of the big points when it comes to ATV health and safety is PPE, wearing the correct helmets, wearing the correct kind of uh, full body cover, clothing, things like that. And the last time we spoke on this podcast, there had been a survey. Uh, results from a survey launch which had users reasoning as to why they didn't want to wear helmets why they didn't meet they didn't stick to the ppe rules on atvs utvs has there been a changing in attitudes at can I'm selling more branded helmets this time this year <laughs> <laughs> it's something I'd have to look into, but the the stats you mentioned there were from a survey run by the University of Aberdeen, mm. and we used them last year for the Golden Rules uh, release that we also, again, wrote uh, for Farm Safety Week in 2021, and I think we did a, a, a podcast on that as well, mm. and we believe or we feel that attitudes are slowly changing, um, and again, we can sort of see some of this coming through now with the prevalence of people promoting best practice in YouTube videos on advertising and things like that. Um, but it's really got to get through and continue to get through to grassroots level. Um, excuse the pun, but it, it really does. Um, and it's important to really remind users of the importance of wearing a helmet. And whilst we can all look at reasons why we shouldn't there's more reasons as to why we should than we shouldn't without a doubt um and uh yeah going on from that we obviously launched the golden rules which were always wearing the correct personal protective equipment helmets boots long sleeve shirts and trousers when out riding preparing an itinerary letting people know where you're going and some of this doesn't need to be as formal as it sounds but just saying to somebody i'm going here uh, this is roughly how long I'm going to be. I've got my phone with me or something like that. You know, that that can be enough information just so that somebody has got an idea as to where you are because quite often everybody's working on their own. Um, so following the recommendations for use that are on the manufacturer's vehicle, uh, the maintenance instructions, make sure they're followed closely. Um, inspecting the vehicle, as I said before, taking along some form of communications device. Um, realistically, everybody's got a mobile phone. It virtually doesn't leave the side. So we need to make sure that that's sort of charged. Mm. We're, we're all pretty good for doing too much on our phones and running the battery down. And then it's flat when we come to need it. So make sure there's enough charge. And then also just be aware of your surroundings and the fact that quite often you're working remotely. The weather can change very quickly. Um, you can come across... Uh, you're obviously working with animals with livestock a lot of the time and um, things can be pretty unpredictable so um, be aware of all of that and your surroundings as well you know let's not go and tear up um, you know habitats and environments and everything that are very um, specific to our country and environment and thing that people come and want to spend time in so those are really the the main rules that, that have come out of that survey as well. And, and that habitat thing is mentioned in the charter and it kind of, it kind of draws a line. It's almost knowing what you're using the machine for because ATVs side by sides, they're in, they are, they are fun machines to drive. And obviously because of the various markets you put these machines into, 
they're designed to be fun to drive, you know, when you start looking at the leisure, the sports side of it as well, as well as the working side. Um, but this, the charter really draws a line there of almost remembering, okay, you were using this one here to do a job in, in certain situations, you need to drive responsibly there. There are places you can go if you want to drive these things for fun. There are. It kind of draws a line there, doesn't it? It it does, and I think you've I think you've just hit the nail on the head at the end there by saying there's places to go to do to do everything. So um, there's specific areas where you can go and use them. There's um, sort of courses. There's parks. There's things that are specifically designed for being able to um, to use ATVs in a recreational manner. Um, we've also got to set an example because sometimes the general public can see riding off up a lane it looks great fun and they think that they can go and do it as well and and actually um they can't uh, so we need to we need to be setting an example um as to how to ride these uh, these um units making sure that we're we're seen as the promoters of best practice okay one one thing that was in the charter that um, I, I guess I'd like you to kind of expand upon is it mentions different riding styles and the fact that you have to accept that just because someone isn't riding it the same way that you are, you don't need to be prescriptive with how you tell them to uh, conduct themselves. But the idea of different riding styles almost seems to not clash, but... Um, Obviously, there is a safe way to drive these machines. So could you just expand on the idea of different riding styles and how they fit in with a safe way to ride an UTV? Yeah, I think every everybody's a different size or a different shape. They need to ride in, in different ways to, to remain safe. Um, we, we need to ensure that however you ride in the vehicle, it's done in an appropriate way um, for, for what you're trying to do with it and also for where you're riding. And I think you can only really understand those different types of style of riding for the terrain, for you personally, for the machine you're on, because every machine's different. You might have a different riding style for a thousand cc um, heavy bikers, so you might to your 250cc smaller bike. You mm. might need to adapt your style there. So really it's it's being aware of what you're using and how you're using it and where you're using it and i think you can only really um understand that completely if you've conducted um a specific training course um through the likes of either easy or at there or ideally both mm. I, I i guess also the other looking at the other side of the coin there not egging people on like some people aren't particularly confident on these machines i know i'm fine here side by side but you stick me on an atv and i'm gonna be a bit easier on the accelerator and not uh, not go um health level with it i'm not the most confident on atv so if you have people in your team who aren't confident not egging them on not trying to encourage them to go faster than they're comfortable with that would also fall into that different riding style as well yeah absolutely i mean it's common sense at the end of the day isn't it if you if you're going to do that and then there's an accident because of it then it's going to be a very difficult thing to to have on your conscience so just being sensible at respecting 
the the vehicle respecting the person that's riding it or using it um we've really got to we've got to try and keep that front and center all the time okay and just finally the uh, the charter mentions uh, various training that uh, users can go on i know tanam have been very involved with helping users to be safe and responsible on these machines what uh, what opportunities and advice can canam offer in regards to the training side well i think this comes back to the reason why we've we've developed this charter and it's really for everybody it's whether you've been riding the, the vehicles for the vast proportion of your life or whether you're brand new to it at the end of the day training isn't about somebody telling you what you're doing wrong it's about giving you some information uh, so that you can understand how to potentially change your style uh, to reduce uh, any risk exposure as far as possible and to educate you so training really is, a, is an ed education process and I think we can all say that there's very few times that we've been on courses where we haven't learned something and even if you just go and learn one thing that one thing might be um, the thing that avoids you um, getting into a very difficult position or a very unsafe position so it's very well worth doing and um, we recommend that every uh, new user of our uh, or purchaser of our new vehicles uh, takes up the the easy course EASI um, European ATV Safety Institute and they will be able to provide you a practical day's training at a subsidised cost um, through mm. us. Uh, they've got various places uh, around the UK that they can do that. Um, and then there's also Atveya, which is an online course. And that as well is something that's a little bit more convenient. But we recommend that both are really carried out. Um, at the end of the day, the, the practical course with EASI is uh is a day course and i think at the end of it if you come out having learned it only one thing you've learned something and it like i said before it could be that thing that really um helps you in the future to avoid a really sticky situation okay okay and uh this the charter then is this is obviously available on the canon website is it available through the dealers as well as a physical copy yeah, so it's something that we're, we're uh, starting to roll out to the network as well, so that uh, with the purchase of a new unit, uh, this uh, would be there. It would also be in the showroom for anybody to go and um, have a look at. And uh, it's something that we, we really feel strongly needs to be included in any of the sales process or the education process. So it shows or anything like that. If anybody wants to know more about safety, then they can get in touch with with the dealer and they're very well versed in the um in the options uh, available to people so it's a really good place to start so yeah beyond the website it'll be something that we're we're trying to roll out uh, to the dealers as well uh, in in a physical form and um to to new purchases or uh, existing users or anybody that wants to know a bit more really 
Okay, and uh, cheekily, just so we can share some of the traffic there, the charter is also available on the Falcon Trap, the website. Just search uh, Canham there. Excellent, the Can excellent. Website, so, uh, <laughs> well done. Go, uh, go, go get that traffic in where I can. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me this morning, Joe. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, anyone who's interested in learning a bit more about uh, safe ATV side-by-side -side riding or want to read through the charter and see where it is they can find it at the Canon website. That's it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us on again. No worries at all. Thank you. Hello. Are you enjoying listening to Machinery Matters? Well, then you're probably looking for a podcast all about the arable industry too. I'm John Swire, and you can join me in my monthly podcast, Arable Chat, discussing agronomy and arable-based topics with special guests from the industry, available to stream on all major podcast platforms. At the start of August, the Energy Neutral released their Rural Crime Report. And I guess on the surface, it looks like it was good news. Between 2020 and 2021, the figures seem to have dropped. But with a cost of living crisis on the horizon, if not already underway, there's a little bit more to those figures than uh, we might suspect. I've been joined by Rebecca Davidson from the NFP Neutral, who's going to answer a few questions and help talk us through it. Thanks for joining us, Rebecca. Thank you. No worries. So, uh, yeah, as I said in the introduction, if you kind of look at the tables that came with the NFU report, it looks, it almost looks like good news. The figures are dropping, but there's there's kind of danger on the horizon isn't that you're absolutely right so yes we did find um for the previous two years that we saw a reduction in rural theft but as we all know they weren't two ordinary years with the pandemic mm -hmm. and so we're not really comparing uh, like for like. And sadly, as uh, obviously the lockdown restrictions ceased, thieves became a lot more active. And as you've rightly pointed out, the cost of living crisis is starting to bite. Plus machinery values, as we all know, are going through the roof. Mm. It's created a bit of a perfect storm, I'm afraid, for the start of this year. Oh dear. And that seems so weird that it was it was kind of not being able to go out and about that stopped thieves. But I guess that was a greater risk of being caught rather than thieves adhering to COVID regulations. <laughs> To a, to a certain extent, it, it, it may have hampered um, some of their activity when we had the very strict lockdowns. And obviously, mm. it will have freed up the police more because they won't have been concerned with the nighttime economy. Gosh, it seems like so long ago we were living in those times. But also, I think some of the thieves found it harder to get some of the bigger kit out of the country as well. Because obviously, over those two years, we, we, we had... Uh, shipping delays um, and things like that. We have Brexit as well. And so it did hamper some of that activity. But sadly, as we all know, thieves don't give up. They just change their tactics. They change their targets. Mm -hmm. So while we found that the bigger bits of kit and the bigger tractors weren't going as, in such high numbers, 
they mm. soon started to focus on the very portable, smaller items of kit. So the GPS systems, and again, that's a really big international issue because that's being stolen to order by very organized international gangs, and that's got a big market overseas. So we saw um, a lot of that going up over those sort of two years. Mm. Uh, fortunately, a lot of work on that area has, has really taken effect. And then on the quad theft um yes it went down but it was already starting to go up again towards the end of last year so it started to ramp up so i'd say about half of the quad thefts that were reported to nfu mutual actually took place from september to december last year wow so uh kind of just outside of the figures that we're seeing now but really suggesting there's going to be a massive increase for the next set of rural crime figures, I guess. Yeah, so um, we always um, monitor the, the situation and the claims that we get in. Uh, we share information as well with a dedicated agricultural vehicle theft unit. It's one that we've sponsored at NFU Mutual since 2010, and mm. that works police forces you know across the country so yes the value of crime um seems to be going up so we'd say for the first quarter of this year uh that value went up by about 40 percent comparing with the first quarter of previous years now inflation will have an impact on that um but also we have seen the number of thefts go up as well um so we're keeping a very close eye on that um but as i've said we did have that period of sort of I wouldn't call it complete respite because obviously people were still affected by crime and um, that we did have two years where we saw that reduction before mm. yeah. and that's interesting as well you mentioned the inflation side of it so as as we can't say that we were comparing like for like over the previous two years there's also going to in theory there's also going to be this kind of inflated fig uh, value figure next year because of the increased inflation levels. Yes, um, so um, for instance, if I gave you an example of Land Rover to fender theft, um, we know it affects farmers, but also it'll affect people who've, who've got the old style to fend, you know, maybe enthusiasts as well. But if you look at that and the fact that secondhand car values as well have rocketed, then we found that last year we had a third of the claims went up. So the number of thefts went up by a third but also the value of it went up by 87%. So that really reflects this sort of burgeoning market for parts as well. So it's not just the vehicles themselves that are going up in value, but it's also uh, people are struggling to get hold of parts. And unfortunately, there's another illicit market for that as well. So we're finding that sometimes vehicles are stripped down um, for you know doors, bonnets, uh, wheels, lots lots of different things, and um, so that can compound the issue. And like things, things like Land Rovers, quad bikes, GPS systems, these sm smaller items that can be easily driven off farm or taken off farm. There are also, um, I guess, with the cost of living crisis, issues around fuel and even livestock rustling according to a new report 
Yeah, so with fuel, again, we've seen the cost of fuel soar and that's that's hitting everybody. Um, and so we have found um, that to the first six months of this year, um, fuel theft has doubled. And we uh, survey our members as well. And we also um, carried out a poll and uh, we found that about half of respondents felt that fuel theft was one of the biggest um risks when it comes to rural theft um, so we may find that yes of course we will get these organized gangs who will target farms for very high quantities of fuel but as people are suffering over sort of tough times as well and um, people may be looking to buy something you know a lot more cheaply that we may find that people are targeting farms for fuel and again, with this idea of a perfect storm, this comes at a time when farms are now having to store white diesel as well, which I guess will be even more appealing to uh, any feeds looking for fuel. That's right. So, um, yeah, so red diesel, white diesel, um, also, like, you know, with many um, rural properties, if you're relying on heating oil as well, mm. um, what we'd really urge people to do is, you know, is to sort of ha have a bit of a review. It's a good time now to take stock. Where are things, you know, being stored? What sort of protection do you have? Do you have any alarm systems? How are you monitoring your fuel levels as well? Um, is there somewhere where you're storing it as well, where it might not be so easily seen from the road and so on? So there, there's lots of things that we can do. And I don't want to alarm your listeners either, but I think as we, you know, come to, you know, come to the end of one season and, and, and we're looking ahead and in light of all of these heightened risks, it's a, it's a really good idea to do a farm walk and have a look around at, you know everything that you've got and um, really look through the eyes of a thief and see what you could do better I, I i guess like when it comes to practical tips on protecting the things on farm these don't have to be kind of i mean if you've got if you've got the money there for high-tech uh, security systems and wonderful but they don't have to be huge money draining expenses do that they can be very simple practical tips to limit what happens yeah. so, sorry yes you're absolutely right it doesn't have to cost the earth obviously the more layers of security you have the harder it is for thieves and they'll be put off but it, it's very interesting it can go from very age-old security measures um for instance there's a criminologist who actually interviewed a number of um rural thieves um mm. about what what they like and don't like and at the end of the day they don't like to be seen and they don't like to be heard and they said dogs for instance actually really put them off um so um it it doesn't necessarily have to be a sensor system although they can be very effective um, for instance with GPS theft um, one of the big drivers is the fact that they've got resale value across the, the, the world mm. and what we have found is just by having a simple sharpie and marking your postcode and farm name on a GPS system can put the thieves off because one of the detective constables that we work with actually found a bag full of abandoned uh, stolen systems and they all had farm names and postcodes on. So obviously, because they've been marked, um, they couldn't really sell them on because it would be quite obvious that they could be traced back to their owner. Um, so it's quite simple things. And again, looking 
at um, you know the layout of your farm, how you've set out your stall. And so thieves may be scoping out the area on foot or in, in a car. They might actually be looking online as well using things like you know Google Earth, Google Maps. Um, so look at your entry and exit points. It may be that you need to block one of those points. Um, you may, may need to be locking gates, for instance. And also just you know, simple things like removing keys. If you're using a quad bike, use, you know, take the keys out, um, yeah. make sure that they're in a secure place. That doesn't cost you anything, but it's one of the best ways you can beat rural crime. Okay. Um... Kind of jumping around here with the questions, I know, but uh, that that point about the uh, GPS and the Sharpie, that's really interesting. Um, is there, have you found that there's kind of like more modern GPS systems aren't being stolen because obviously they can be more easily tracked by manufacturers or is it, or is it kind of a bit of a free-for-all on the GPS side? Um, we're finding that it isn't confined to one particular make or model, but obviously you will have market leading systems. Um, so obviously where you've got pin enabled technology, then that can certainly help. Um, but we're, we're, we're finding all sorts of GPS kit being stolen. Um, and that's something that we've worked very hard on over the last year, because I think in 2020, we found that it had doubled to about 2.5 nine million and that's just the claims that we dealt with at NFU Mutual and I talk a lot about cost um, but as we all know it's not just about the figures and as a mutual we you know it isn't just about the money it's about what it does to farmers and obviously when that happens when you're working to a very tight weather window over harvest and the fact that somebody's been to your farm your home and you've had these criminals operating it can really affect you and you know add to high levels of anxiety as well so um with with the gps it's been a major issue for us as i said we work with a specialist unit there's another police unit called oh. um, rebecca i seem to have lost you there Uh, we've produced videos as well to help farmers protect their GPS equipment and we've also been sharing uh, claims data and intelligence in real time with the police so that we can identify those hotspots and also warn people in some areas when we know that thieves are on the return as well because sadly what we do find is that when thieves know the layout of the farm and this happens a lot with quad theft unfortunately they know that the farmer will be replacing that and sadly that they do tend to return as well maybe a year later um to see if they can steal the replacement okay so it's it all comes back down to recognizing weak spots in the in the farm as it were kind of yeah. doing your best to protect from them um I, I, I lost you a little bit there, we cut out a little bit, so sorry if you have covered a little bit of this in your previous answer, but uh, the NFU Mutual has obviously working with the National Vehicle Crime Intelligence Service, or NAVCIS, to reduce crime levels. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the success of this and uh, the results that you've seen? Certainly. So... Um... 
We found, um, gosh, this is going back quite a long time. So it, when we got to about sort of 20, 2010 and, and just before, uh, agricultural vehicle theft was just steadily rising and it just got to a point where it, it felt almost unstoppable and something needed to happen. Um, sometimes with police force areas, they may be under-resourced or perhaps the criminals would then move on to another area and the criminality would just get displaced to another area, unfortunately. And so we invested in a dedicated agricultural vehicle theft unit, which is a, an organisation called NAPSIS um, and so there's a dedicated police response and they work right across force areas um, in the UK to share intelligence um, they also work on warrants as well they provide training as well so that the police have a greater understanding of farming and what the impact of these sorts of thefts are and they recover equipment for us and that's from right across the globe as well and so they work in partnership with police forces um, in other areas for, for example on the GPS theft we've had some great results working in conjunction with uh, police in Germany and a number of um, items have been seized uh, for instance there was one haul of about 90 um, systems of which quite a proportion were from UK farms so there's some great work going on there and it is having um, a good impact um, we found last year NAVSIS recovered about 2.6 million pounds worth of agricultural vehicle machinery and equipment and that went up from 2.3 million the year before but it's also the fact that they're disrupting these gangs which is helping us in the future okay. yeah so kind of being a force to be reckoned with to uh act as a deterrent as much as recovering stolen items at the moment. That's right. And we do find that um, that when there's this, this focus in particular areas, and as I said, that we gave some one-off funding to some of the harder hit areas, um, it has had an effect on the GPS theft because that reduced again um, last year. But I know that people will be listening um, and it isn't the same for everybody. And I've got every sympathy for people who have been affected. And I appreciate that the police response won't be the best in every part of the UK, um, which is why we put this extra funding in to try and provide a bit more support where we could. Um, but the battle's certainly not won at all. And just finally, how else is the NFU Mutual helping members to kind of tackle rural crime? What are the supporters out there? And we've, we're doing lots of different things. As I've said, uh, we've produced a new suite of videos, which we've produced um, with NAVSIS and our ag engineering um, specialists. So we'd urge people to have a look at those. Um, it's got advice on protecting GPS, tractors, quads, and the farm as a whole. Um, we also work um, according to area because we appreciate that rural crime won't be the same in every part of the country. So I've spoken about NAVSIS. 
Um, also, we fund the Scottish Partnership Against Rural Crime. Um, in Northern Ireland, for example, we knew that quad theft was a particular issue, so we've been working on a quad marking initiative with PSNI. Um, sometimes we will trial new ideas as well to see if they work and if they can take off and perhaps those sorts of practices can be used universally. So for wrestling, we are working with Devon and Cornwall Police on a livestock theft initiative with Farmers on Dartmoor, which is trialling lots of different ways um, to combat livestock theft. And it's also working with a local community. So urging local people to actually contact um, a local farmer's number or a police number if they see stock being moved at particular times of day. Uh, with an eye on the future, we're looking at technology. So we've sponsored a couple of connected farm trials, which looks at sensors um, and changes in movement and data to help us uh, reduce the risk of crime. And then again, it's all about people as well. You've got your physical measures, you've got your technology and innovation, but it's also about community and sharing information. And so we've been really pleased to work on a new project with uh, the YFC in Cumbria and Neighbourhood Watch. And that's um, a brand new initiative. And it's about um, getting the younger generation of young farmers trained in rural crime prevention and sharing that learning with local farmers. So there's a fantastic intergenerational element to that work but it's really about everybody looking out for each other and helping okay that's fair and on that kind of intergenerational point i guess um one one tool which i guess could almost go against but also be a massive benefit is uh, the use of social media as well i see uh, i see a lot of um, members of the rural community sharing when things go missing and getting people to keep an eye out yeah, you're absolutely right. I think there's some great farm watch or rural watch groups out there. I know a lot of farmers who share information on WhatsApp groups as well. And I'd urge people to keep doing that because as I said before, it's about being the eyes and ears of the countryside. And that also helps police as well to build up a pattern of what's going on. Um, I appreciate that sometimes people may feel that they're on the phone for a long time if they're reporting a rural crime or a suspicious site but please please do always report it share that information with somebody else because it helps the police to build up a pattern of what's going on but also when it comes to police resources if it's not reported it hasn't happened as far as they're aware and then if it hasn't happened then they may not be putting the officers or the funding in so I would suggest that people do share that information as much as they possibly can I imagine that can also make it quite difficult to put people back in contact with their stolen property if it's ever recovered, if there is no report there as well. That's true, but also marking as well is really, really important when it comes to that. So um, obviously Caesar marking is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, there are other ways, you know, you may just, and then like you said, if it's something where you don't have that much money, um, you know, you know, if people who might have painted their quad garish colour or you may have some sort of identifiable feature on a vehicle um, or like the Sharpie that you use 
on you know the gps system um all of those things are so helpful because also th there's the other element to this is when uh, we work with police colleagues and they recover what they believe is stolen property there's nothing worse than not actually being able to prove where it's come from in the first place. And that helps them to um, put forward a, a successful prosecution. Well, that's, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today, Rebecca. And I hope that, I hope that if we have this conversation next year, we may see the, uh, the figures start to uh, drop again. I hope that, uh, Obviously, there's a lot of things impacting the level for crime at the moment. Hopefully, uh, this perfect storm passes, as it were. So, I hope so too. And, and thanks very much for your time today. No worries at all. Thank you very much. Oh, um, before I go, I should also say, if uh, how can people find um, more information about the NFE mutuals um, approach to rural crime? Okay, so you can just you can just Google NFU Mutual Rural Crime. It'll take you to our page. Um, it's got the latest rural crime report, which has the latest trends, advice, and insight. It also gives you a picture of rural crime right across the UK, and um, we've also got a suite of videos to help farmers secure their property. That's brilliant. Well, thank you again for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Machinery Matters, a podcast brought to you by Farm Contractor and Large Scale Farmer magazine. If you could please remember to subscribe on your favourite podcast supplier and leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts. Many thanks. Bye-bye.